He's like, go, go. All right, cool. Thanks, Jaime. I appreciate you, man. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, uh, when I grow up, I want to be like you, man. Um, so leadership wise, like, did you start young in leadership? Did you figure it out late? What's the secret? Sure. Um, I guess it kind of fell into my lap naturally. I, I, I guess when you say that, the first thing that comes to mind would be high school. Um, did things like student government and journalism, which led me to positions where I'm, I'm often talking to people and trying to kind of learn about their needs and wants and then figure out like how that can jive with mine. So that's probably where it first. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. All right, welcome in to Vision Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. And today's episode features somebody who I have extreme, extreme respect for, and I'm so excited to make him a long-term friend in life. I hope he sticks around because uh, I did this series on LinkedIn with LinkedIn Automation, where I've got my messages going, right? And, and uh, you always want to create a message that's uh, inviting um, open-ended, allows people to realize that you have a purpose that, that matters, right? So here, here was mine. Um, if you want to use this for yours, fantastic. I'd love to see it go viral. I think it's a good subject. I said, um, can I get your opinion on leadership? Um, and so we had a lot of really positive responses to that. We had a lot of negative responses too. In fact, we got more negative responses than I anticipated. And people who were in amazing leadership positions who acted beyond childish. And I get it. You can you can hate against the spam as you spam world, but um, you know, when you're slamming the door on good people with good intent that you know, you get mail of automation every day. Some that's good, some that's bad. Anyway. I'm getting off topic here. Um, I got tons. I got hundreds of great responses. And hands down, Ryan Giordano's was my absolute favorite response. Um, and I really loved his take on leadership. And it made me dive deeper and deeper with him. We became friends over the matter. Um, we masterminded on the subject a little bit after that. And so today's going to be a treat to have him on. Now, before I bring Ryan on, um, I want to announce our sponsors. You'll notice we have two new sponsors up here in the corner. We still love Able Health, by the way. We still love Rick at Epiphany. Um, and there's just an amazing opportunity to uh, to showcase more great value to the world. Capshow is our hidden secret for creating our content for our show post show. What does that mean? We upload the episodes to Capshow and then Capshow's AI um, they call it, uh, they, they have this little phrase about humanity where they put a little AI in the humanity aspect. They're very dedicated to the personal touch and experience, but they've, they've trained this AI to do a really good job of breaking down all of what I say and Ryan says in the show to create social media posts, to create LinkedIn articles, blogs, etc. You can literally go through and just click on these buttons to get all the content generated that you need which allows you not to have to go into incubation mode. You can be in superior creative genius mode and you can be in the mode where you're like, wow, okay, I can now assess in here which aspects of the puzzle I want to pull together to create shorts and reels and things of that nature. Creative Studio takes that even a step further and it does audio sound bites. And I haven't explored the depths. In fact, Jaime knows more than me about all the features. But one of the things that I love the most about Capshow is the community behind it. So we actually get to go in and participate in these masterminds that they do. Uh, they talk just about how to podcast. Um, we're new to this. Like we're, we're doing the best we can to make sure that every show that comes out is awesome. But at the end of the day, 
Um, we're going to get more and more awesome as we collaborate with minds like theirs, where they're working with more than uh, 100 to 1,000 entrepreneurs, somewhere in that range, um, building out podcasts and scaling and growing. So they're getting all of the insider secrets and they're turning around to their community and sharing those as much as they can, as authentically, as profoundly as they can. I love the way the team portrays themselves and how they engage with people. It has been so fun to be part of that. So um, if you're looking for a, uh, a system to advance your reach and create content for you, so you're not stuck on the content treadmill of just like trying to think of things to write, I hate doing that. And it's it's just not, it's not as authentic. Um, then consider doing your own show and consider, of course, using CapShow with live videos, videos that you've done in the past, et cetera, to create your content. Um, it is a blessing. And now that also leads us to Icon Maker Live. We hosted Cheryl last week um, and Cheryl's partner with Tom Matson, uh, Cheryl Plouffe, by the way. I don't know if it's Plouffe. I, I got to get it right, um, but or, or pluff. But part of that problem for me is I speak Spanish fluently. And so my nature is to go to the open O's and the open O sounds. So Cheryl, forgive me, my friend. Um, but anyway, I'm distracting from the subject. I Can Make Her Live is happening at the end of this month. And they're going to have a thousand people at this virtual event conference, 20 who are live in person in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I'm also going to go and attend this event where they're showing podcasters how to launch seven figure podcasts. Um, by the way, Tom Madsen has launched more than 80 businesses over his lifetime. Um, and he knows a lot about distribution, coaching, how to show up on camera. Cheryl as well um, spent more than 20,000 hours in broadcast journalism, being on TV, um, rocking the mic, not stopping to say words like, um, like I do. She's a great presenter. She's a great trainer. She's also extremely empathetic um, and has an amazing way of helping you feel comfortable um, on, on in that environment when you may not be as polished as others rather than condescending. So I've absolutely loved getting to know them and, and seeing what they're building. If you want to check that out, I come make her live um, is as a, uh, a general admission, I think for around $97. Um, and that's to get access to uh, several of the days. And there's a VIP experience where you get post event access to each of the, the leaders and speakers that have their own sessions. It's all broken down on icomakerlive.com which we just updated the copy for, by the way, um, and, and made it a little bit more streamlined to help make sure that the messaging was clear as possible. So people understand the value that they're going to be throwing down at this amazing conference. So we're very excited to be involved in that. Um, grateful to have them as a sponsor. And uh, I would say more important than all of those agendas is the water project. Um, there are people in this world who, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to cry. I don't want to make you cry, but they don't have water. Uh, clean drinking water. And there are people dying because of this on a regular basis. Um, and so if you're crying right now, again, my apologies. But at the same time, if you're crying and you happen to have an extra dollar in your hand, then do us all a favor. Please go to the Water Project. Um, donate. It will make you feel good um, in the process of also getting to help somebody get the essentials that they need in life in order to survive and have a chance at thriving in this world. We have an amazing opportunity to impact um, in that regard. So um, without further ado, um, Ryan Giordano is going to be coming on. We're going to be talking about leadership. We're going to be talking about his company, GrowthWave. We're going to be talking about, um, it was uh, something I had never heard before. Um, the Sunday, something about Sundays, uh, blues at night. You have to teach me this, Ryan. This is a corporate concept. Um, and so and I, I don't spend a lot of time in corporate America. I spend a lot of time with startups and fast growing companies. Um, and so I've avoided that bureaucracy for a long time because I was not a leader cut out for it. To be honest with you, that was me. I had a lot to learn about leadership throughout my 20s. 
early 30s and I continue to look at how can I be the best leader possible for those that I serve. Um, and it's people like Ryan who I'm pulling around myself saying, man, I, I would love the wisdom that you have. Um, so with that said, this is very much a personal episode as much as it is knowing that this is going to help other great entrepreneurs out there who um, need to, would benefit tremendously from learning how to make more space um, and, and create more inspiration for those that they teach and host. So Ryan, without further ado, thank you so much for being here today and honoring us with your time and presence. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about the Sunday scaries and uh, and many other things in that space. The Sunday blues <laughs> is pretty close, so I love it. <laughs> there it is, Sunday scaries, I love that. And that, that concept comes from the idea, uh, what I understood of it was that people who on Sunday night are kind of dreading going back to work on Monday, going back to that office environment where they have to go through the drudgery of work. And I haven't had that experience um, in a very long time. Oh, well, since 2020, when it was the only time I went back into an office was when everybody escaped offices. I went back into it. And by the end of that experience, I have an inkling. Like, I know what it was like to work in that environment where you just are like not connected anymore. But that's a that's a very small experience for somebody who's I'm 35 now. Um, you know, I, I haven't had uh, jobs like that, but I do see the office and I don't find it funny because I can't relate to it. Um, but I know lots of people do. So what the heck um, are, are Sunday scaries and how do you overcome them? Yeah, wonderful question. Well, so it's a term that kind of emerged um, more from like a, a cultural phenomenon, which maybe sounds like giving a fancy title to just what I'm actually describing, which I think is people who drink or consume drugs or, or do other things to kind of numb themselves from the pain that they associate with work over the weekends. And then when they wake up on a Sunday and they're like, ooh, like I just ignored this feeling all weekend. Now I've got the Sunday scaries. So that's really the first time I heard it was more like I've been kind of numbing myself and now I have to face this thing and I'm, I'm nervous about that. Over time, that that phrase has caught on and, and it's more relatable. So I think you hear more and more people describing it. And when they said the Sunday scaries, they're not necessarily saying I was you know hung over. They're just saying I, I feel um, the pit of my stomach dropping out. I feel nervousness around reapproaching work. If you really start to ask like what's going on there, um, yeah, it's it's numbing or kind of ignoring or neglecting something that they know they're going to have to face in the future. And we all know what that feels like. Yes. And entrepreneurs and visionaries, um, like I think a lot of us are able to protect our brains and our hearts from those realities, but we're not doing ourselves any, any services by forgetting that so many people out there uh, face this, you know? And so Sunday scaries, uh, munchies. Um, I know that also sounds like a, a synonym for some people in, in that respect, based on what you said. And then uh, the other one that came to mind was quiet quitting, right? That became really popular last year from what I saw um, based on articles. Um, and so that's another element that, that people are are having to, to face and, and that leaders need to get ahead of. So let's talk real quick, Ryan, who should be listening right now? Why should they listen to you? You look 19. I know you're not. And what are they going to get out of today's show? Well, I'm getting to the age where I'm starting to realize that's a compliment. It used to be a hindrance in life to look young. <laughs> and now I'm, now I'm starting to appreciate it as a compliment. So thank you. So um, I appreciate that. Uh, my background is in the corporate world. I've spent 10 years working at tech companies out in Silicon Valley. And usually my function, my, my reason for being there is to help keep employees engaged in their work. That's, that's the number one focus. There's a bunch of different ways that we do that. There's way, different ways that it's measured. But you can consider that the common denominator underneath is how do we keep people excited and engaged in their work? Um, not just from the perspective of like keeping them trapped at a company, but keeping them like legitimately excited and interested in what they're doing. Um, and so I strike a balance between figuring out what companies feel they need 
and what people feel they need and trying to create solutions that meet in the middle. Ah, I love but that. You, I, you worked, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna add, so I've, I've mostly been in the background, uh, in the corporate background, So, but I wanna tell everyone that's listening, I've also spent the past 18 months working for myself. So I was always curious, you know, it's great to have value through the, through an organization, through a full-time job, but I really was curious, like, am I valuable on my own? Which sounds like a sad question, but I think it's important for all of us to explore. So I spent the past 18 months doing private coaching and also being uh, hired through contracts by companies to coach inside of their companies. So that's what I've been up to recently. Brother, I would just want you to imagine, you don't have to close your eyes on this, but it, but hear what I say. Know that if I was on a stage of, of with 100,000 people in front of us and I told you, Ryan, you are beyond valuable on your own. They, you would have a standing ovation right <laughs> sure. now. You yeah. really would. Um, yeah, and and try to, you know, I just encourage you and invite you to internalize the reality of that because uh, you are um, and you're showing up in a great way to serve. Now, I want to get to uh, go back a little bit of that corporate reality because yeah. your corporates are some of the uh, the dream jobs that I think a lot of people, especially young folks, are like, oh, my gosh, I would love to work for those environments. And they were environments right. that were smart enough to hire somebody to do exactly what you were designed to do. They probably yeah. wasn't perfect. But um, if I remember correctly, was Pandora one of those companies? Yes. Yeah. The first yeah that caught my mind. I was like, yeah. ooh, here yeah. we Pandora. Like, that's got to be amazing. That's going to be so cool. Yeah. It's probably just fun and music all day. And I know it's yeah. not. But um <laughs> Yeah, surprising amount was yes <laughs> oh that's so cool so yeah, yeah those are the, the jobs that even entrepreneurs can be jealous of sure. um like and, and i will admit that so thank you for the uh, the authentic um walkthrough of, of how you know it can be scary to go out on your own but let's talk first about uh what are some of the other companies that that you worked for that people have heard of and and are aware of in the world Sure. I mean, you, you might have to be in this space. I think the goal is to not have to be and start to hear them. Um, Pandora is certainly probably the most reputable. Uh, the other two companies I spent, so I was there for three and a half years at Pandora. Three and a half um, years at Pandora. Pandora. That's a lot of time to gain a lot of insight. Yes. And it, and it did set a pretty unfair bar for what work life could be like at a company because we did have concert breaks in the middle of the day sometimes. That's true. So that was fantastic. Oh, wow. Uh, but the two other companies that I've spent time at, so I worked at a company called Blend which is uh, they, they essentially digitize the mortgage process so that banks and, and other types of lenders can help people not have to fill out paper applications. And that's way underselling what they're, what they're doing, what they're capable of, but that's kind of how sure. I think it, it helps speed up that process. Uh, when it's hard to compete that. with Pandora. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. uh, and then uh, the other place I've worked as a company called Gong and they do um, like a sales recording software. Um, again, I'm probably underselling it, but what they do here is that they record conversations like this um, especially if I was, say, trying to sell you on something, and then we, it allows me to analyze the call afterwards. And so I worked there for a year yes. and learned a lot about that as well. Okay, that's good. I'm, I'm glad I at least have a connection with that one, because as uh, I was president of a solar company that whose name I won't mention, um, <laughs> but uh, for good reasons, um, but uh, for, for good reasons in that you don't want to work with that company. I will say that. Um, now let's go back to Gongno. I was researching all of these different softwares for um, the the sales team um, mm -hmm. in terms of what are we going to use to track, um, you know, the the rate of burn return rate. What we're going to use to track uh, quality of call assurance and all that stuff. And that was one of the entities that had some of the more impressive case study materials yeah. uh, to help you understand the value of what you were getting. There was there was a lot of little concepts that I learned. Um, even as a, a seasoned sales individual, um, where I was like, Ooh, 
I should have known this as a manager. Um, you know, oh, cool. These reports, I never ran these before. Like there's a whole checklist of ways yeah. that can be more valuable to companies in the future. So I was definitely impressed with that. And I'm, I can see that you can, you can read their materials and you can feel the power of the company culture behind it. And that's, that's usually a great sign. Uh, yeah. I want to, I want to digress though. And we're going all over the map right now, guys, but there's just some cool things. Pandora concerts, uh, who performed? Yeah. Are these bands that we know that came in to do concerts? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it was a pretty cool, I mean, it, from my perspective, it looked like an employee perk, right? Like you're getting to essentially like Absolutely. You, the first time someone, my manager said, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go watch, you know, third eye blind or someone like that, do uh, a, a couple of tracks and you're like, but I, so I can get it from my desk and stop working. And they're like, yeah, come on, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, but what was going on behind the scenes, which I think is even more intelligent from a business perspective, is that uh, they were bringing in bands to also show them their data on Pandora. So band comes into the office, they get to see where are people listening to their music like geographically so that they could maybe think about how to build a tour. They might get information on like what age groups and, and other, you know, there's not a ton of information available, but whatever Pandora had access to, they're willing to share. So artists can better understand and connect with their audience, which I think is so important. Oh my gosh, that is like the most brilliant uh, element of, of sales strategy I've ever heard too, because Pandora, um, when I looked it up, when I was with Restaurant Connect um, and, and running that company, we uh, we were looking for distribution advertising opportunities. I thought yeah. it might be a good opportunity. So I called Pandora up and I got my quote for $10,000 a month and and stuck my tail between my legs and you know, <laughs> sure. walked away terrified. Um, like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. That would be so cool to do. But um, so they're, they're bringing the bands in, having this experience with them, creating this, this camaraderie experience, yeah. like where it's, it's just, it's an experiential opportunity. And then it's like, well, why would you not run your tour uh, through the Pandora advertising platform? You got all these raving fans here at this place too, that now love yeah. us and are going to support us well. Like what a brilliant way to honor the prospect and showcase your capabilities at the same time while massively improving a work-life balance culture type thing that they're ne you're never going to get at, at, yeah. at most other companies. It's like yeah. almost a once in a lifetime opportunity for everybody involved. Yeah, it was pretty powerful stuff. And, and as you pointed out there, just at the end, like it's uh, a lot of companies struggle with, they message that it's important to take breaks, but they struggle to find ways to actually like implement and structure that. And, and so this, I don't think it was designed for this reason, but it had a really nice effect of like, usually the shows were sometime between 11 and one. And so it was around lunch, but it never necessarily overlapped with lunch, but you were encouraged to, yeah, go, go take 20, 30 minutes and listen to a band play a couple tracks. And it was usually acoustic, but occasionally they'd bring a full setup and yeah, it, it provided a nice break and a way for, um, employees from teams that may not sit together and normally interact also kind of connect with each other. You'd be sitting on a couch watching a band, but then on the way there and on the way back, you'd be talking to someone from a different department, learning what they're focused on, which is a good way to kind of infuse more collaboration at the company too. Wow. Okay. So that leads me to a deeper question for yeah. the more experienced entrepreneurs, the bigger, the bigger um, company opportunities that are out there. Um, if you're listening to this, this is going to be an important opportunity to, to learn some super wisdom from Ryan. So I think one of the fears that a company would have with implementing such a reality is, is the repercussions, um, sure. right? The, and I think of startups that I worked with where um, beer pong was every Thursday and people were getting slammed and hammered. Um, sure. You know, here I was with my Dr. Pepper and, and me and Kelly um, at our own little table, um, somewhat participating, but we, we didn't drink. 
Um, yeah. And so we watched everybody else get slammed and drunk on Thursdays. Um, mm -hmm. We went back to work and did our stuff. And there was this awkward culture of, of you know, like, in, of no productivity taking place on days like that. And then there's, of course, the liabilities that could exist. So you guys could have like full on mosh pits um, in this company. And, and you know, I'm imagining like people, uh, you know, doing keg stands and things like that in the opposite Pandora. But I have a feeling it didn't go that far. Yeah. How do you set yeah. the precedence of of creating a fun environment like that, but controlling the rules enough to where you sure. don't kill it? but sure. you still allow it to happen and manage the emotions of, whoa, like whether, whereas if you just have a plain boring office, yeah. um, right. You can, you can manage emotions. It seems like you can manage emotions with more control, but what, what are some, what's the, lay down the wisdom on this, Ryan. Sure. Well, I, yeah, I suppose from a baseline, like a couple of things, I mean, there were no mosh pits as far as I saw. Uh, <laughs> generally this was like an acoustic thing happening like feet from your desk. So you can picture a wide open office plan. And we had a space, um, literally just a giant whiteboard and an open area with some couches. And one thing that was kind of cool and, and also kept the tone kind of mellow is that we would have someone from the design team, like in the hours leading up to that concert would actually use whiteboard pens to draw the artist's name in like a really artistic way. Um, so it would say, you know, again, I'm using the same example, but like third eye blind and they would draw it in a really creative way. And then um, that would become some kind of like art that would get used and things like that, which I thought was cool. But um, here's the real answer to that, which is, um, and this is actually where more of my work and my focus comes in. There was like a very known thing that usually probably after six months to 12 months, people stopped going to these concerts. And anyone who was new to the company would be shocked by that. Like when I first heard that, I didn't believe it. And then, you know, and you'd hear some band is coming in and you'd go, hey, wow. you know, everyone want to go? And people are like, eh, kind of busy. So it's one of those things where you know, we get used to the nice things that we have. And this is not me critiquing anybody, but it just, no. I think, um, you know, we, I'm trying to think of a comparison in life. Like we always want that nicer car. And then the moment you have it, you know, a year later, you're like, now I need a nicer, nicer car. And um, I think that that same effect shows up here. We're like concerts at, at work. Amazing. And then you're in your like concert. Is it like one of my top 10? No. Okay. Then I'm going to keep working. And, and I don't think we had a particularly like, you know, harsh working culture. It was just a matter of, I think people get used to things and it almost becomes less valuable as it becomes like always available to you. And yeah, yeah. people start focusing on work. So unfortunately we kind of pleased ourselves, which is what I'm more interested in uh, resolving. How do we help people not do that just for the, you know, if it is driven by the appearance of working, then I, I worry about that. Okay. So um, when you talk about the, are you talking about wanting to see more cultures open to the point where people can police themselves? Um, into productivity or um, did I misunderstand that? I suppose, well, what I'm describing here is a phenomenon where I don't know that this was the case, but I, I think that people felt too busy to get up and go to a concert. And, and we're not talking like an hour. This is usually they, they play three to four songs. It's a 20, 20 to 15 minute situation where to me, like that's not a big deal to get up and take that break. But you would see a lot of people eventually say, I'm not going to get up from my desk. I can't, I can't afford to take that break. So I, I think what I'm actually saying is I, I'm worried about people who um, especially in the office, want to appear to be working to their colleagues or their manager, um, often because there's that carries value. And it's unfortunate yeah. that's how it works, because I think it's actually it should be valuable to take breaks and know how to take care of yourself so you can do your best work. Uh, but it, it started and this is one of the first places I saw this and I've seen it in many other ways throughout my career. But I like to pay attention to like, you know, I mean, part of the reason my original message in response to you stood out was because I, I spoke in part to, um, you know, how can people care for themselves and find abundance in the world? And I think when we're trying to prove ourselves to other people, we're more of, more of in like a scarcity mindset. 
I love that. And oh, awesome, Jaime, you're amazing. Um, I was just about to ask. Uh, so Jaime is going to be showing on the screen our original conversation um, of, of how we interacted with each other, the yeah. answers that you gave. Um, people will, who are watching the video version of this podcast will be able to see those on the screen um, and, and read through those messages. If you want the full length messages, don't hesitate to ask us. Um, Ryan, will you be OK with me providing that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, there was a, a lot of personal things about my, I'm just kidding. Um, it was, it was, a, it was just a really great, uh, series on, on leadership. So, um, that said, um, one thing that, that stands out with what you're talking about is something that I have to control on my end. One of my weaknesses, um, you know, uh, they, I'm a big fan of Peter Drucker's book too. It also validates you and, and helps you feel better about yourself. Um, he says people with tremendous strengths, Come with tremendous weaknesses. Mm. Um, it, it's always the case, um, oh, and so you feel that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I hope everybody who's listening does, um, because that means you all have tremendous strengths. Um, and you have to, as a as a executive, you have the opportunity to create space um, for those people with tremendous strengths. But you have to be willing to create space for their weaknesses too, um, and embrace the fact that they have those and and support or um, you know tolerate um, honor the fact that they're human. Um, and that can be hard to do, but let me digress. The point I'm bringing up with this is in my cultures, um, when I create a company and when I'm running things, I, I run at a break, breakneck pace. Yeah. And I love it. Um, like I, I freaking love what I do every moment of every day. Um, and I don't, I don't have my kids very often. Um, and I'm, I'm a dad first by far, but I'm, I'm really with my kids because of my divorces. Um, so twice divorced, I don't have my kids here. And so I don't have the same social responsibilities on a day-to-day -day basis that I have. The problem that I face is be, I, I, I end up influencing the culture of first-class sure. business. Yeah, And that's something I'm very, I, I try to remember to be very careful about. Jaime knows I forget it all the time. Um, and I'm like, go, 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 let's go, let's go, let's get this done. And Sometimes I, I I inspire the culture to shift. Sure. Where everybody's like, man, I gotta I gotta be like Jackson. If we get new team members too, <clears throat> they fall into that trap of thinking that's our culture. That's what yeah. we're supposed to operate like. That's who we're supposed to be. And next thing you know, you've got hastiness. <clears throat> you got people who aren't there for each other. You got people who aren't taking breaks at all. Yeah. Um, nobody's saying like, I don't want to be the guy who's taking lunch. Um, and or the gal who's taking lunch, and and now I'm the one who's called out like how do we balance this ryan as as startups and as entrepreneurs who have different strengths capacities things that we love to do yeah what are some other options to ensure that the culture stays centered on balance while some people run at faster paces than others yeah that's a big question but happy to unpack and i think we can start with what you've already drawn attention to which is um we tend to mimic each other's behavior and that's always going to i believe that's always going to overrule any kind of like documented or stated principles, right? You can say we we move slow and, and chill, but if the person running the company is not doing that, yeah. people are gonna say that's not a real value, like I'm doing you know, what he's doing. And so we see that everywhere and that's okay. I, I think to some degree that actually serves as a really powerful message. Um, so what can you do about it or how do you balance it? There's a couple ways to look at this. Um, one, I, I think what's really important is, is some degree awareness that we show up differently. And I think that starts with us knowing ourselves, right? If you come in and, and you end up hiring somebody who is not too sure about who they are, but they're really sure about you know who they need to be to succeed in your company, then they're going to be doing a lot of this mimicking behavior. 
Uh, but if you hire people who, you know, whether it's because of experience or life experiences that they've gone through, um, if they know more about who they are, what they have to offer, including their potentially tremendous, um, you know, gaps or weaknesses, the more people know about that, the more that you're going to get someone who's okay, um, you know, operating at their own pace and speed. So I'd say that's one place to start. Happy to go further, but thought I'd check in with you. Hey, go further, man. Okay. Hit it. Okay. You're on a roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so a huge part of what we're talking about here is that people people like you and me and many of the people that are listening are going to respond to the world differently. That means, you know, at a very high level, we can talk about how we perceive the actions of others, how we relate to our own mind, how we how we maintain and use and store energy. These are things that are like drastically different between people. Um, as, a, as a quick side note this week, so I, the, the Death to Sunday Scaries is actually my newsletter. So I write a newsletter called Death to Sunday Scaries. It's kind of my manifesto, like, let's get rid of this. And this week I wrote about a topic called highly sensitive people. And these are people who it's about 20% of society. It's been researched and they know that these people just respond at a much deeper level to all different types of stimuli, whether it's emotional moods or it's physical sensations. And so, yes, these are sounding like it's resonating. And so these are people who like, this is just an example, but if we're talking about like how to make a workplace that supports different behaviors, this week's newsletter I wrote was about how do we support sensitive people because they're going to handle something like Slack where you're getting 30 different messages from different teams and conversations. They're going to handle that differently than the average person and it's going to affect them more. And so we need to be aware of what is things that fill us with energy? What are things that drain us of energy? And how do we find a workplace that that suits that need for us? So that's wow. that's really what comes to mind. We could go into the more process-oriented stuff, like how to teach and um, kind of evangelize principles. But I think that's more of like a corporate approach. And I think what really matters is that we know ourselves and we know who we're signing up to work with so that we can figure out if we can set the proper boundaries there to take care of ourselves. Well, they say you can't build Rome overnight. Um, yeah. but I think you're building the foundation in a matter of a podcast, um, which is pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, no, I want, I want people to realize too, though, that, um, and that's a cool thing. Ryan's willing to talk about all this stuff, um, because his, his experience with leadership, he knows there's just so much more depth that has to be built in order for the culture to succeed. Um, and so he's not holding back. He's just continuing to throw down value. He's willing to throw down more. I'm going to pause it for the sake of making sure that we, we continue on to the other aspects yeah. that I want you as an audience to know about, about him as a leader. Um, but I'm also going to break down some of what you talked about, things that I can do on my end as a leader um, already. Um, one, you know, you you hit it right on the head without being pretentious or rude. Um, you, you have this diplomatic value that I, I'm striving for um, as a leader. But, uh, you, you, you know, you called me out. They're going to mimic me. There's no way I can, ex I can escape that. Um, as long as I am the leader that will happen. And therefore I have an opportunity to choose balance, um, right. And choose how I communicate to, to facilitate balance. Um, the thing that I want entrepreneurs to hear as well, my, my goal and intention for first class business is not to make it Jackson class business. Um, it's not to remain at the top, so to speak, or to be the face of the company long-term, I will eventually hire in a CEO. Um, you know, to, to take over this company as we grow to the magnitude where, um, you know, we have the capacity to do so. But we also need somebody who can lead that type of an organization with greater capacity than I can. I'm, a, I'm more of a megaphone um, than I am a, a leader of cultural development. It would be very irresponsible for me to stay in that role. Um, I think more entrepreneurs um, will benefit from coming to that realization sooner than later that 
they can be involved in their dream. They can still be the visionary leader without having to control the day-to-day dynamics and without having to control um, the, the decisions that are made within the culture. And if you create that governing body in a way where, um, you know, the democracy that could exist within can outvote you if you, um, you know, if you don't behave, but uh, also protects the company from you having absolute power, corrupting absolutely. That's what I'm ultimately constantly looking at is, am I getting myself out of this situation soon enough, fast enough to where I don't end up burning the entire thing to the ground because of my ego? Um, so uh, you said highly sensitive people. We also would say have a company of, of highly sensitive people. Um, you know, that's, a, that's something that I think I tend to attract. Um, and so I, I'm very curious about exploring later what yeah. you talked about with that, that those amount of Slack messages and, and what to do there and, sure. and uh, you know, how overwhelmed can, can look and how do you communicate with people who aren't sensitive about the reality that being sensitive is not the same as being defensive um, yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. I'm just going to open a bunch of cans of worms for this. Let's set them out. Those people who are listening, like, I hope you're getting the point, guys. You want to reach out to somebody like Ryan. If you have somebody like Ryan, awesome. If you don't, this is exactly why you need somebody like him. So um, shifting gears a little bit, 30 seconds. What is your vision for those that you serve? Yeah, uh, I think this is a safe. Uh, sometimes I have a more polished version, but I'm going to give you the like the real version and then we'll talk about the polish. So yeah. the real version, and I feel safe saying this here, is to reduce suffering in the world. Hmm. And that's because three second version. That's beautiful. Yeah. To reduce. Um, Yeah. I I think you say that in a professional setting and people are like, you know, people kind of give you the stink eye, like, well, do you cause the suffering? You know, I think sometimes when you were the one to bring up a negative phrase, people associate you with it. So I have to be careful with that. That Um, makes sense. But when I'm talking to someone who I feel like understands what what's going on in the world at a at a um at a personal level for people, then it's okay to say that because what yeah. we're talking about is that we we often are the cause of our own suffering, sometimes in our own minds. And I find that if if that's not in check or at least being observed and managed, then we then become the cause of suffering for people all around us, whether it's strangers in line at Starbucks or it's our closest loved ones. Um, if we don't love ourselves and understand ourselves, then we can become a, a, a menace or a nuisance to society. And so my real vision for those I serve is a ripple effect. I think that when I help one person, I'm actually helping them be um, a better person for the people around them. And my ultimate goal is to reduce suffering in society. So that's how I think about it. I can tell you that if you, uh, if my mom and my five sisters were here, we'd probably all be crying, um, like <laughs> emotional joy. Sure. That that's, that's the goal. Um, sure. and I understand that that's not the, the common approach to like a, a common feeling because it, it hurts to listen to that. But on the flip yeah. side, um, so what is the vision beyond that? We reduce the suffering which causes um, what for the vision? Let's go 30 seconds into that part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so as may be clear, like in the way that I introduced myself, like I've chosen the modality of doing this in the corporate world. I think that the corporate world causes a fair amount of suffering, um, not intentionally, but as a byproduct of how we operate. And so my goal is to help Mm -hmm. people find value in their work and find meaning in their work because they often can then build resilience to some of the challenges that come with the the difficulties of, of a work life. That's amazing. Um, yeah, there are millions of people who are in corporate um, or in corporate cultures. Um, I don't know how many millions. It's possibly billions um, sure. worldwide too uh, that that work in a corporate culture. And 
uh, anytime that you can go into uh, an organization and affect change, um, you know, for all those that exist within, um, you know, the, the ripple effect can be fantastic. So I do appreciate um, the that sentiment. And, that. and now let's talk about you, though. On your side, um, what's your personal vision for yourself three, five, 10 years uh, down the road? Yeah, um, I, I try not to too oversimplify, but I just want to help people. Um, again, my, my vision is that I'm going to continue to find I, what I'm really struggling with and looking to continue to do is to find ways to scale. There's a there's a lot of beauty that happens in a one on one conversation that really helps people move. I think faster than, you know, taking a course or things like that, where you're kind of grouped in and your, your problem is kind of a couple of steps removed from so that it can, you know, serve everyone. Um, so I really enjoy, you know, I was raised by two therapists. So I, I've always valued the one on one uh, instance, and I've become a coach so that I can do that. Uh, but it's also a challenge, because when you look out and you see how many people are struggling, it's, it's difficult to think about how am I going to talk to every single one of them. So I'm looking for ways to scale myself in a way that's still effective, um, but helps get the message out faster and farther. Absolutely. There's only so much we can do one-on-one. -on -one. Um, you know, there's limitations time-wise. Um, you know, it's just the, the logic of, of reality science, I guess you could call it. Um, and so when you can, but as you're talking about, you're talking about scaling effectively, um, you know, where you're still able to make the impact that you want to make. And so, uh, yeah, man, we look forward to, of course, seeing you do that. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you're well on your way. Um, you. Let's dive into one of the more uh, intense questions. That we yeah, have. So, love it. What is your worst business experience ever um two two leap to mind uh, do you want to hear one that was directly impacting me or one that impacted 300 people i trust you okay well i think since we're talking about personal motivation and and, and leadership here um one of the worst business experiences i've ever had I, I had worked at a company for three and a half years and had a manager brought in and she had been there for a couple of weeks um and seemed to struggle to understand how to learn about people's motivators and drivers. And within weeks of meeting with me and the team that I've been managing, she started communicating to people that she felt I had senioritis. And uh, whether or not that that was an appropriate assessment, it was a completely inappropriate thing to go around saying to people. Um, and when I questioned her on it, she actually then threatened to lower my pay and my level uh, as somehow like an attempt. I don't know, this was like a command and control attempt it made no sense at the type of company we were at. And I was able to quickly get this resolved by just going to HR and saying, this is what's happened to me. Um, I actually have a recording of this still today. It haunts my dreams, but I have this wow. on this conversation recorded because that's just, it's just unacceptable to speak to people that way. We're human beings. I don't care about profits or business goals if we're going to forget that we're, we're two human beings collaborating in a space. So let's define this real quick though. Senior, senioritis. What is that? I think it was a joke or like an implication that like, so senioritis for me reminds me of high school. Like when you're in your second semester of your senior year of high school, you don't care about your classes anymore because you're going on to graduate. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's what she was saying. Keep going, was saying keep going on that. So, okay. So uh, keep him. So I graduated early. Hmm. Um, I told my mom I'm either dropping out or I'm graduating early. Take your pick. Not the coolest move. Um, you know, I didn't graduate. Hey, at least you have a choice. That's wonderful. Dude, I, I was ready to go. Um, you know, <laughs> that's right. Um, but so I didn't graduate early because I'm like the super gifted, you know, I'm going to be walking the stage and I did get to give the senior address, but that's, that's a different story. Um, and had to do with, with a whole different setup, but it wasn't because I was this golden child. That's for sure. Right. Um, so I didn't actually experience what you're taught. I was thinking senior situs meant like you 
you know, you felt you were superior to others, but she was, she was saying that you felt superior and checked out in that case. You weren't, checked out. You weren't that's doing a better break for it. She used the word senioritis. Um, maybe she was saying I was old and forgetful, but I, I certainly within the context perceived it as, Oh, I mean, old and forgetful. I meant like, Oh no, I'm like adding a third jock with a, no, right. There we go. But like the jock with a letterman who's like, what yeah. do you know? I already yeah. got it all figured out. I don't think it was that she thought she was much um, more powerful than me. So I don't think it was that. I think she was accusing me of, of being checked out. And uh, wow. a couple months into COVID, gosh, I couldn't imagine why I might be a little overwhelmed or, or overstimulated in that type of situation. But I just a complete failure to learn how to recognize the experience of another person and communicate with them and motivate them in an effective way. Um, mm -hmm. That was a very like 90s and outdated style of leadership that I'm working hard to see removed from society. Good for you. Okay. Yeah. And now let's hear about the other story. I'm, I, if you don't mind, we're going to double down on worst business experiences ever. <laughs> uh, I, I try not to be too much of like a gush and tell, but it's like, hey, if people are willing to treat us like this, then we ought to be able to tell people how we've been treated. So um, yes. this is a very different situation. Mm. Um, essentially, what this is a story about is a time when I put a lot of work into um, creating an experience for 300 people and had one person essentially like shatter that with with a few words. So we, uh, as a company that I worked at, we were having a large full company offsite. So two, 300 people, um, like in a, in a venue it was actually like a comedy improv club venue. And mm -hmm. for weeks in advance, I had been working with, there's a group called radical candor. Have you ever heard of that book or that framework? Uh -uh. Cool. Maybe we should talk about it because it's really cool. But the, the gist is that radical candor is like a, a very simplified framework for how to give feedback in a way that shows that you are being direct and con you know relatively confrontational, like you're not avoiding, uh, but you're also being very caring. So it's about pairing those two things together. We find that in society, a lot of people are so caring that they're not direct and they kind of beat around the bush. And there's also people who are so direct that they completely forget to show that they believe in the person. And so this model is meant to bring these together. That's amazing. Radical candor. Look it up. It's it's incredible. So oh, I, I have. I'm gonna. Nice. Yeah, there's a beautiful grid too. I mean, if you if there's a possibility of getting on the screen, there's just a, a, a four by four grid that shows what I'm talking about. But um, so happy to talk through that. And yeah, yeah there you go. So you can see the grid on the left. So what that grid is showing is essentially like um, one axis is how much you are direct with a person, and the other axis is how much you're caring with them. So if you're in the bottom left, you're not being direct or caring. I think they call that. Uh, oh, there's a word for each one. Top left is so direct and not caring, and they call that obnoxious aggression. And then the wow. bottom right is when you're so caring, but you're not direct, and they call that ruinous empathy. I love that word because I'm very empathetic and I pride myself on it, but I can be ruinously empathetic sometimes. So I, I appreciate that. Nice. As you so, can see, my friends, I have got to get this in my Audible immediately. Yes, so, it's a good one. Oh, I love it. Well, when you find a mentor um, and somebody that you respect their their opinions and they give you access to their super secret, you know, and, and not secret, but of course, you know, your treasure trove of, sure. of materials, it's like, take action, get it yeah. done. You know, even if you're in the middle of a live podcast, right. um, you know, like it's, it's time, it's always time to take action, never miss the opportunity. So let's love shift it. gears into your best experience. Oh, wait, I didn't, can I just, I didn't get to share what happened. Good. I'm glad I was like, maybe he didn't want to share it. So I'll no, just move on. But I'll hit you with it. So um, the gist is I've got 300 people in a comedy club watching an offsite. We've got the CEO talking about the corporate goals. We've got other people rolling out initiatives and products. Uh, but the kind of protein of the whole event was that I'd worked for weeks to hire a um, certified consultant to essentially deliver 
and teach the entire company about this radical candor model. Um, and we were probably 20, 30, maybe 40 minutes into a, a young woman my age on stage presenting in front of 300 people, which I also acknowledge is an intimidating situation to some degree. Um, when one of the co-founders of the company stands up and asks for a microphone and he announces that he doesn't believe in radical candor and we all just need to get thicker skin. And uh, my heart starts to sink immediately. And then as I'm listening to my heart sink, I'm also hearing the laughter of, of the entire engineering department just going, ha, 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 isn't that so true? Um, and this was just oh. devastating because not only have we just disrespected and embarrassed a woman on stage, uh, but we've also just undercut the value of something we've invested thousands of dollars in and hours and hours of time in. Uh, and, and essentially, yeah, I mean, someone with a lot of um, indirect influence over the company was able to communicate, like, don't listen to this. It's not valuable. I don't care about it. And I know because I had hundreds of employees come to me and say, that was so embarrassing. And I'm so offended that he did that. Um, but this is someone with power. And th this is another risk that we run. Like, if you're, an, you know, a nobody like me at a company and you're just kind of an, an IC wandering around and you make an offhand comment, like maybe three people hear you. But if you're the leader or the co-founder of a company and you make a comment like that, you've got hundreds of people listening and acting based on how you behave. And I, and I think that that was just completely inappropriate and uh, mm. frankly, yeah, it just didn't serve really anybody in the room. So that was one of the worst experiences. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of the opportunity as a leader, right? These are the cool things. This is like a role play scenario where imagine what you would do as a leader if this were to happen at your event, right? And if you yeah. place that in your mind and practice yeah. these opportunities, there's, you know, my initial response is, is I'm, I'm pretty good with handling hecklers, but sometimes I do it in a way that's not necessarily the nicest. I, I need to read Radical Candor, by the way, because I'm like, you know, my, I think my response would uh, immediately would probably be, you're like, all going to judge me for this. Um, and you have every right to, would be, okay, well, um, you know, Scott, let's call him Scott. Um, you know, we... We certainly appreciate your opinion on the matter, um, and we all know um, how valuable opinions are. Um, but you know, some people, uh, Scott, choose not to wear underwear either, and and, and that's their uh, that's their choice. Um, but it doesn't make either side right or wrong. Those who understand the value um, of what this wonderful lady is is sharing, and those who uh, have a heart to put this stuff into, um, yeah. we we appreciate that. Those who don't. Um, then, you know, we, we like you too. Um, you know, so, uh, let's keep going with the, the opportunity though. So anyway, there's probably, a I admire that, <laughs> What? I admire that. I think there's a way to kind of point out what's, I mean, that sounds a little bit like radical candor because you're kind of addressing what's happening while saying like, you're still valid as a person. I think there's too much of this, like it's either me or you in the world right now. So I think it's important to val validate better. someone's belief while, while saying you're kind of distracting from the, the point right now. Dude, I would have crushed him You're a couple of years ago. I would have crushed him um, and, and just apt. And because I've always been a protector, mm. always been a yeah. protector of people who get picked on. Yeah, um, and so I, I went to the office a lot in elementary school. Um, and it typically was in the name of protecting somebody who was getting, getting picked on. And mm. um, when I was playing the sports teams, those greatest sports, I would always pick second. I pick my, my best player first. And then second, I'd pick whoever I knew was going to pick last. Yeah. Um, and we would just dominate. I love that. Um, and and so, you know, it was, it was kind of built into me. But yeah, and a couple my my best friend, um, he uh, James told me, he said, Jackson, sometimes when you speak with people, it's like you hit them with a steel bat. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I know. I was like, I'm, I was already aware trying to figure it out. I was like, but it, he's like, I know you're not. Um, but like, it, you know, it just comes across that way. Sure. Um, and I was like, oh, dude, like you're 
speaking truth and I got to figure out how to stop doing that. Cause yeah, I would have just made him feel miserable for making her, sure. you know, for putting her through that. And sure. that's not the best way. So we yeah. are a little bit over, but I want to keep going if you're okay I'm with good. that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So what's your best experience in business, Ryan? Yeah. Um, and best is a very, you know, we can interpret that in many ways, but you're asking yeah. me, so I'm going to share. Um, one of the things that comes up for me is like, for me, the best business experiences happen when I have a visceral positive um, full body sensation. Like when am I, when am I, when is something that's happening at work making me feel so good that like, I almost can't put words to it. I just feel good in my body and, um, and in my mind. And I'll tell you exactly when that was. So, um, years ago at Pandora, one of the things that I was challenged to do was to look at, um, so a lot of companies, like, especially these types of tech companies will use engagement surveys and they'll actually pull and, and measure across the company to find out what are we doing? Well, what are we not doing well? And, and sometimes these can go into like 80 different topics. Like it gets, in depth and eventually yeah. you fatigue your employees with over surveys but oh, it's um, but, yeah, the, yeah. The, but it can work if it's delivered in proper portions sure and one of the key components is to show that you're acting on what you're like if you're just asking and, and people are telling you for a year that we're unhappy in this one area it's like eventually they're gonna go i'm gonna stop answering because you're not doing anything but yes. one of my jobs which was one of the best jobs i've ever had is to just look at those surveys and try to get those scores to go back up and so, um, but the very specific experience that I had within this is that um, one of the scores that was low, we had people who loved their managers, they were happy in their job, they didn't want to leave Pandora, but they were looking around on LinkedIn and, and on, on weekends, talking to friends at parties and, and hearing other people are moving forward in their career. They're like, I want to, I want to grow in the same way my friends are. And we started to hear that that was actually the biggest risk to losing people was not so much that they were unhappy, but that they felt like they weren't keeping up with their peers. So one of the yeah. things that we did is a little we bit of a roof on their head, perhaps of like what yeah. they could accomplish, where they could go. Yeah, for this, this happens in jobs where you're essentially doing like a relatively repetitive. Hey, this is huge for all the types of companies we work with, because yeah. I would say that it's one of the greatest reasons why 96% of businesses are failing. And yeah. that has to do with the entrepreneur um, putting their thumb accidentally on top yeah. of those that are serving them saying, Hey, we want the lowest price with the fastest result. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're not going to paint any vision for how we want to include you long term because we want the best ROI. Sure. And what you're doing is you're basically saying, I'm never going to care about you. I'm yeah. never going to want to see what you want to accomplish. And if mm -hmm. you don't care about my vision, I don't want to pay you. Yeah, it's happens. This happens at the smallest of business levels, mm -hmm. not just in corporate. So go ahead. It's good to know. Uh, and and it's a, and I I think it's even associated with quiet quitting, which you've mentioned earlier. So we can talk about that too. But um, the 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 answer to the question is that we launched a skill development program that essentially enticed people that uh, you know on one hand I had a company saying we need people to learn new skills to adapt with the new business model of the company. But I knew in my heart that if I go and tell these three four hundred employees that hey you got to learn a skill to adapt to the business model, that's not motivating. There's probably ten percent of people who are like heck yeah let's do it like mm -hmm. I'm all on. But a lot of people are like that sounds like you need more from me. And, you know, it's human to ask, what are you going to reciprocate? And so what we did is we found out what are the skills you want to learn and matched those up with the skills that they needed to essentially fit into this new business model. So the whole experience is really positive. The program is still in place at Pandora, even though I haven't been there since 2017. So that's also a positive experience. But the, the actual moment I'm talking about that was really visceral is we created applications for this program. Um, we didn't need to do this. We were going to try to get as many people to take the classes as possible. However, I was worried about this problem I just put in front of you, which is, hey, if you're taking this because I'm telling you, it doesn't feel as exciting as if I tell you, you can get into this if you can tell me why you think you're going to do what you're going to do with it. And so the, the best experience I've ever had was one night I, I had weeks of applications be open. So employees were applying to this program and it had questions like, what do you hope to do with these new skills? 
And I sat up until probably one in the morning, just reading a, a printout of these answers of what people, their vision. They said, if I learn public speaking, I'll be able to do this. If I learn deck design, I'll be able to do this. And and just seeing other people get excited about their future, that's that's a really positive business experience for me. Oh, absolutely. And even if they don't even get to apply it within the walls of what you're doing, it yeah. unleashes a power that, um, and, and then especially if you understand that sometimes your vision is a vehicle for other people that fulfill their own visions. In fact, yeah. that's not a sometimes that usually is the case unless they happen to be the one who's going to take over someday. Um, you know, and if we can embrace that reality too, then we create more abundance in the present while creating more space for more beautiful futures. So yeah. um, I love that. We, we strive to emulate that as a startup. It's, it's a lot harder. We have to do, uh, I shouldn't say it's a lot harder. Um, we make our own justifications, right. Um, for, for our realities. But I will say that we, so we have a passions assessment um, and all of the entrepreneurs mm -hmm. who work with us, they have to take it. Um, all of the employees who, who work with us, we want them to take it. Um, they're usually inspired because they fit within our virtues. Um, and the, the goal is to find out what really drives that individual, what strengths do they have, what weaknesses do they have? And we try to keep it open-minded too. Where we're like, okay, you're coming to this company to help fulfill this role and you're not stuck here. Um, like we want to know where you want to be, what you want to do. Cause people, when they do what they love, produce far better results than if they're doing something they're forced to do. Yes. So we usually have a concession session where we say, well, for now, these are the roles that we really need fulfilled. Yeah. Um, and if you can help us bridge these gaps, because we don't have somebody else to do that right now, um, then let's make sure we never forget the importance of building the education on these aspects of your career and facilitating the path for you to grow into that. Mm -hmm. um, and I have seen that, um, the people that I work with, um, unless unless they're like terrified of me um, and, and you know, are constantly lying, uh, they tend to love working with us. And that started with my first fiber assistant that I did not treat like a Payless shoe transaction. Sure, sure. I said, uh, you know, after asking his birthday and stuff, I said, you know, beyond design, like, what do you really want to do? Yeah. And he said, uh, I want to learn everything I can about AI. I should have listened to him. This was like 10 years ago. Um, you know, and, and I want to, I want to work in the artificial intelligence space. And I, I had a friend that, um, too, I had one investor who helped with the money ball equations, um, and another one who was working in the robotics division at Google X. Um, and I was like, well, I said, that's awesome. I said, I don't have direct contacts, but I do have some people I can introduce you to. Sure. Um, and I would love to, if you perform really well on this, of course, I'd be happy to honor you with, with some connections and some insights that dude crushed it with my logos he went so far above and beyond um and i was like wow so if i just take interest in people hmm. right tactic wise if i just care about people sure then they will care about me interesting uh you know what a novel deceptively simple equation but yeah <laughs> Yep, that's it, man. So this was awesome. Uh, I'm so happy that we got to to have you on the show, Ryan. We'd be happy to have you back. We wish you the Wonderful. best with with Growth Wave as well. Um, if there's any opportunities to collaborate in the future, we will certainly be open to it. Whether that future is one minute from now or that future is 100 days from now, um, you know, let's let's figure out how to make that happen. And mm -hmm. Vision Pros, uh, if you have more questions about leadership, um, please, uh, you know, drop them in the, the comments so that Ryan and I can both give our chance to attend to that. Um, if you know people who could use some advice on leadership, drop some.
some healthy hints. You know, hey, boss, I was really inspired by this conversation. You know, that's a better way than saying, hey, boss, you suck at this. You should listen to this episode, right? <laughs> there are ways to share this and there are ways that might go more viral sharing it. Um, so we win either way, but uh, there's a great opportunity to, to leverage a lot of what was spoken here. Now, I'll give you one more tip on that. If you're going to share this episode, think through what was the point in the episode or the story that made the difference for you and find the timestamp of what that is and share that with your audience because it creates a little bit of a hook and a little bit of a teaser, but it also helps them get right to the point of the value that we provided. And if there's anything else we can do for you as visionary entrepreneurs, visionary professionals, visionaries of your own lives, don't hesitate to ask. Uh, we might be able to make the wish come true. Have a fantastic day. Ryan, thank you so much for honoring us with your time today. Thank you. Everybody have a Thank wonderful. you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have a